Every Sunday when I sit right over there, my phone's over there propped up with the, uh, with the Facebook feed on it. Because one of the things I do is, is I copy the link from the Gatherings Facebook, and then I post it on my Facebook. And so people are watching on Facebook. My sister watches at 8.10 on Sunday mornings before she goes to, to, um, to her, her place of worship. And uh, she serves there, her and her husband. And so just thrilled that Melanie's watching. Good morning, Melanie. Happy Palm Sunday. Uh, and others. And I've watched. And, and, and Pat Holmes was watching early this morning. And others I've seen. So, so I do that. And I sit over there and I watch as people, you know, so-and-so is watching. So-and-so is. That's cool. So we're the gathered. That's the scattered. Right? So when y'all see that, I write that a lot of times. I say, welcome gathered and scattered, or, or greetings gathered and scattered. So I want to start out with a word, and, and, and we're going to end with the word as well. But the word is substitutionary. Uh, it's a theological word. It's a word that, that bears a great deal of, of, of importance and weight, particularly as we approach Palm Sunday and Easter and those things. The word substitutionary atonement is, is sort of a theological understanding of what Christ did on our behalf, what God has accomplished for us through the shed blood, the sacrifice of his son Jesus. And so today we are going to talk about that. I'm going to share with you some of the, the what I I would consider very pertinent points for us to think about and consider on Palm Sunday. It is Palm Sunday, okay? Uh, today is the day that, that, that we celebrate the fact that Jesus came into Jerusalem and the people uh, honored and revered him, you know, as, as the descendant of David, the, the king of kings, and, and palm branches and cloaks in the road, and he rode in, you know, on a donkey, which was foretold, prophesied about the Messiah. Uh, and, and, and so all of that plays into this week leading up to uh, Resurrection Sunday, you know, and, and, and many traditions will call it Holy Week, and, and there'll be different stages in the week and different things to observe and practice. But this morning, I want to focus on a very real and important thing. Uh, I want to more, this morning to be a memory. It's not that I'm trying to get through with it, okay? But I want to, I want to talk about a memory a minute. One of the things I realized about my childhood, okay, was that most of it appears in my mind, obviously, as a memory, Right? I remember things from my childhood. And, and what I realized was is I don't have connecting pieces. All I have is snapshots. Right? I remember, boop, there's something. So I know that I got there and I know that I left there, but all I remember is that thing, right? And so years ago, and Eli and Angie are both on the back row, so I'm going to be talking about this all morning long, so they just have to endure it this hour. Um, one of the things I, I sort of wanted to do, you know, as a father was create memories. You know, for my son. I want him to be able to remember that. We did that this week, y'all. Last Sunday afternoon at 2.30, we got on a flight down at Wilmington, and we flew to New Orleans. This past week has been Eli's uh, spring break, okay? And, and so we went to New Orleans, and, and we ate New Orleans. <laughs> we ate the whole thing. From, from one end of the French Quarter all the way to the other end of, uh, of the Garden District, we ate. And eight and eight. And so, so the thing is, is, is that I remember. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember what we ate the first night. We got there at 740. I had preached three times that morning. I'd been on a plane all day long. We, we went some, I had to eat something because I eat. I mean, I, I eat on schedule, right? But I remember, okay, we ate this. And, and David came in first thing this morning. He said, well, how was your week? And I said, we ate. 
You know, we ate a lot. And, and the cool thing about it is, is we didn't rent a car. We walked. And so we ate a lot. We walked a lot. And I still lost a pound. <laughs> How about that? All right. So memories, right? Remembering things. Um, and so today, what I want to do is, and my Bible's over there. I got to walk out the frame just a minute and, and grab this. We're going to, I mentioned a, a verse last week that I want to share with you from 2 Corinthians. It goes like this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 through 21. It'll be on the screen or, or you can read it in a Bible if you want to. It says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. One of the letters that he wrote, some scholars think Paul may have written as many as four letters to the Corinthians, but, but, but we have in the canon of Scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and they may be the whole of Paul's writing, just only divided into two parts. We don't, we, we, we don't have that. So, understand, what God wanted us to know is here. What God wanted the Corinthians to know is here. All right? And this is what Paul says. We are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So what Paul is saying with him and his, his, his sort of entourage of missionaries to the Corinthian uh, congregation, he's saying, we are ambassadors on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. Now, understand what he's saying. You broken, fallen Sinful people. Get right with God. That's what he's saying. Get right with God. That's the message that, that God wants for the whole world to hear. Get right with God. Be in relationship with your creator. And then he goes on to say this, and this is the verse I referenced last week. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. You didn't earn it. Can I go ahead and tell you? You're not worthy of it. And yet, because of God's incredible love for you, he made a way for reconciliation. You know, I look at my life and I think, oh my. You know, I mean, think about it. Um, you know, I, I look around the room. It would be nice if as a pastor I could look out at, at the gathering and go, you know, I'm sure that several of the people in this room would die for me. Right? Start thinking about that a minute. Who would actually stand between you and death? Now, I, I think the number dwindles a bit. Right? I mean, truth is, I'm probably down to mom. Dad, maybe. Probably. Melanie? I don't know. Right? I mean, who would die for you? See, that, that's what we reflect on in this, this, this time of year as we get ready for Resurrection Sunday, as we consider what it is that, that God accomplished, his, accomplished through the shed blood of Christ. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, first thing, life instead of simply existence. You know, here, here's the point of that, here's the point of that point. You ready? Life, 
To be alive instead of just living out an existence. You know, people who don't believe in a God, people who don't believe in a designer, people who don't believe in a purpose in living are simply making the day. You know, they're, they're, you know, whenever they get past, and this is one of the reasons why I believe that, uh, that, that senior adult or let's call it octogenarian counseling has become so prevalent, is that when people get past the, the American dream, you know, family, cat, dog, two and a half kids, two-car garage, career, retirement, they look around themselves and go... I guess life's over now. See what I mean? There's no purpose beyond achievement. People are just living out existence. But in Christ, we know there is a purpose beyond this everyday whatever, the ins and outs of it. We have been given a life instead of merely an existence. Second thing, righteousness instead of sin. I am a sinner. I admit it. I confess it. As a matter of fact, I make it a regular part of my confession every day before the throne of God. See? Because it's in Christ that I have been given a righteousness that is not my own. And and as, as a preacher that I enjoy listening to says, he says, keep short accounts with God. Johnny Hunt, by the way. He, I, I've heard him preach that. He says, he says, keep short accounts with God. Now, don't wait till you, you get your quota of sin, right? But every day, just go before the throne of God and, and, and let the Spirit of God point out in your life those things that hinder and separate your fellowship with God. And confess them before God. You see, Uh, God has given me a righteousness in Christ that's not mine. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I can't live it. But that's what God's given me instead of my sin and wallowing in in, in that brokenness and that fallenness. Okay? Third thing, and I'm moving quickly through this, okay? Because I want you to understand what it is that, that, that God has provided for us. Last week I asked the question, what did you do? And then, and then I sort of transition that question more to, to directing it toward God as to, God, what have you done? And then the final question being, God, what is it that you truly accomplished in Christ? You see? And we're going to read it in, in, in just a minute because it, it's a very moving account. Eternity instead of death. That's the third thing I wanted to point out to you this morning. Instead of, what has God given you? What is it that Christ provided for in your life? You see, I have the opportunity on lots of occasions to talk to people. A lot of times they're in distress of some sort. And we'll start talking about the events of their lives, right? What are they sharing with me? <clears throat> Emotion, yes, of course. Uh, are they sharing, you know, the, the, the facts as they know them? Yes, of course. Most of the time, what are they doing? They're remembering. 
memories. They're thinking about what, what's been stacked, right, into who they are. And, and the truth is, is that in Christ, y'all, we really need to remember who we really are, okay? Not, 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 uh, uh, I mean, one of the things that, that after majoring in psychology in college for a year, ooh, that was one of those, th- those early years. Remember I told you I crammed a four-year degree into seven years? One of the early years I was majoring in psychology. Um, are we nothing more than that which has been poured into us? Are you simply this, this, this accumulation of memory, events, uh, people, you know, the, 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 the debate goes back to the whole nature versus nurture, nurture versus nature. Is it genetics? Is it your DNA? Or, or, or is, it, is it the nurturing that's taking place in your life, who's cared for you, who's taking care of you? Or, go ahead and, and let's talk about the negative, those who haven't cared for you. You see what I mean? So when I look at this, I think about memories, and I think about, all right, what do I remember? And what I've told you all before, I remember at eight years old, my mom sharing with me the gospel and telling me about it. Now, I'd been in Sunday school since I was that big, right? Um, it's funny, we were talking about stitches back there. When I was a little kid, about this big, I, I had a l- larger than normal head. And so it seemed to attract things, right? And so I was running through the Sunday school room, which I wasn't supposed to be running, but I was. And, and being small, I, and I was always small, so it wasn't a big deal, but being small, I didn't, didn't register in my mind that there was no um, height clearance on the side of that table. And so, man, I, bam! And, man, I cut my head open in the Sunday school room. Forgive me, but I'll go ahead and describe it. Yes, blood everywhere. Sweet little Sunday school teachers just freaking out, right? Because the deacon's kid just busted his head open in the Sunday school room, right? Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't remember busting my head open. But my mom tells me that's where this scar in my eyebrow came from, right? See, there, 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 there is a, an evidence of a memory, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember when you got saved. I want you to remember. For some people, there's a day, a date, a time. And and, and man, you can put your finger on it. And I've heard preachers say, if you can't remember the exact time when you were saved, then maybe you're not saved. Eh, I'm not even going to go there. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to think about the day or the time in your life when you realized, right, that God had saved you, right? That, 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 that the work that was accomplished in Christ, the life instead of existence, the righteousness instead of sin, the eternity instead of death, that, that God had done that on your behalf, called your name and said, here, This is the salvation, the redemption, the regeneration. This is my love for you. Please take this gift. 
See that? I want you to think about that a minute. Remember, when you first realized, recognized that God had saved you. Okay? Now, if you don't have that memory, I'm not going to bring that into question for you. If you know you're saved, great. Maybe nobody snapped a picture of you. If you come down and join the gathering, we're going to take a picture. Right? Uh, we're going to put it up somewhere. I don't know where it goes anymore. But anyway, we're going to take your picture. Snapshot. Right? I remember this. Uh, Cali Self Memorial Baptist Church in Greenwood, South Carolina was my, my home church. It's where uh, they licensed me to ministry. It's where they ordained me to ministry. It's where I, I asked Angie to marry me. It was right there on the front row. The place was empty. Right? Asked her to marry me there because important things happened in my life right, like right here at Cali Self Memorial Baptist Church. I remember going forward. Now, Rule Westbrook was our pastor. He was the pastor there for 29 years. I preached his 29th anniversary sermon. I, they called me back to preach there. And I told a joke, which I thought was a joke. And I said, you know why we're celebrating the 29th anniversary, right? Because nobody reaches 30. We stay 29 all our lives. Well, then we went to dinner afterwards, and Rule comes up beside me. He goes, you realize I'm retiring before the end of the year, right? <laughs> I went, I, 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 I didn't know that, right? <laughs> so anyway, I remember going up, and Rule Westbrook had hands the size of my head. Rule was a big man. Man, he stuck that big old meaty hand out there. And I said, I, said, I want to be baptized. And so he talked to me about getting saved. Baptism doesn't save you, folks. I don't, know, I don't know what you've been taught. I'm just going to tell you. God saves you, right? We get immersed into the person and work of Christ. Baptism is that, that, that proclamation to the world, right? That, that we've entered into salvation in Christ. All right. Remember when you got saved or when you realized you were saved? When you realize that God had worked on your behalf and in your life to redeem you. John 19, verse 17. Carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha, or Golgotha, however you want to pronounce it, doesn't matter. There they crucified him. And two others with him, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a sign made and put on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic and Latin and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, don't write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate replied, what I've written, I've written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and they divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. And they also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from top, from the top. So they said to one another, let's, let's don't tear this, let's don't tear it. 
But let's cast lots for it to see who gets it. This happened that scripture might be fulfilled that says. They divided my clothes among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers... The, the, the soldiers were no way aware that they were fulfilling hundreds of year old prophecy about the crucifixion of Jesus. No idea. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there, he said to his mother. Now, we know the disciple he's talking about because John never mentions his own name. And he's talking about John, which I told you last week. John was probably the youngest, probably teen teenager when he first started following Jesus. So at this point, he's probably 20-ish, right, in that neighborhood. And, and he points to his mother, or he says to his mother, woman, your son, here is your son. Then he says to John, he says to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything that was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. Remember, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. From the Lord's Supper, he said, you know, drink this cup, the cup of the new covenant, the cup, the covenant in my blood. For I will not drink it again until the king. Now, see, Jesus is saying, all right, everything's been done according to prophecy and scripture. I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there. So they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. To Tetelestai, that's that it is finished. Uh, I am told by my teachers that that was a uh, sort of an accounting term. It's like when, when, when you go somewhere and, and they present you with an invoice and you write a check, which nobody does anymore, or you give them a card or you give them cash or something and they, they stamp it paid, right? This word communicates what God accomplished. The debt is paid in full. What debt? The debt of our sin. Uh, that Sin requires death. The wages of sin is death. See that? And so death had to occur. Jesus died in our place. Substitutionary atonement. He was the substitute for us. God provided in the death of his son Jesus for our life. Okay? Paul writes these words. Now, I'm going to point a couple things out and, I, and we've got time going on here that we need. I need to be attentive to because there's a lot to accomplish on Palm Sunday. Y'all know that? I joked with Heather there. We didn't bring any palms in this morning. Some, some places where worship, they, they do the palm branches and all that. I said, the best I can do is Right? Palm Sunday. Sorry. You know how I think. That's how it works. Paul writes these words. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on. How did he receive it from the Lord? 
You know, the, 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 the words of Paul and tradition of Paul tells us that he spent three years studying Jesus. Who taught him? Spirit of God taught him. Some even believe that Jesus may have come bodily like he did on the road to Damascus. That Jesus may have showed up and said, Paul, I need to teach you a few things. So he received it from Jesus. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on. Even if it's simply a spiritual comment. I received salvation in the shed blood of Jesus. And I want to pass it on to you. On the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took bread. And when he said. When he had given thanks. He broke it. And he said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And said this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread. And drink the cup. Listen to this. You proclaim. The Lord's death. Until he comes. Proclaim. You make known what God has accomplished on your part. See that? The, the, the stuff that went on through the Middle Ages, early after Jesus had passed and after the church began to, to celebrate, you know, the Lord's Supper, the things that were said about Christians, oh, they eat flesh and drink blood. I'm going to back off of that. This is what we're going to do. We're going to remember Jesus died for us. He died in our place. He took a punishment for us. See that? Wow. Memories. Okay? Memories. I've shared with you. We made some memories this week, I think. I remember things from my childhood. You know what I, I, I don't remember from my childhood? I don't remember anybody when, when mom and dad were ready to spank me. You know what? I don't think I ever missed a spanking in my life. I think every time I was to be punished. Yes, I was. Uh, I got, all right, now some of you who are younger than me remember, uh, I got spankings in school from teachers all the way through the eighth grade. I remember the last one I got, Ms. Amick, my science teacher. She had a wide board panel. She didn't mind using it. See, I don't think I missed one. And you know what? No friend in any class I ever had said, excuse me, Ms. Amick, let me take his paddling for him. No friend of mine ever did that on my behalf. Do you remember salvation? Do you remember when you realized that Jesus died in your place for your sin on your behalf? In front of you now, if you're at home and, and, and you can get some bread and juice, then I encourage you to remember by yourself or with your family, whatever. You can't do it right this moment, then, then plan to do it sometime this week. Sorry, I'm talking to them, not y'all. Because in front of you in the chairs, you'll find the little cups and one of the little holes in the rack there. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and pick that up. I want to share with you. And if, if somebody needs one, then, then um, Harold's got a tray back there.
Um, let me share with you sort of the, the working of this, all right? <clears throat> Jesus prepared for the, the Passover with his disciples, and he got them all in that upper room, and, and they were lounging and leaning and relaxed, and they were celebrating something that traditionally they were told to remember every year as a people. Remember that, that God provided salvation in Egypt for us. See? So, so he, he, he's joining Egyptian Passover with Christ's death Passover. That's why there's so many pictures from, from, from Exodus to Jesus' death. The lamb. You slay a lamb. You put the blood over the door. You see? There's all that. But Jesus has his disciples around. He says, I, I have longed eagerly to have this meal with you, knowing it was going to be his last. I've looked forward to it. Why? Because he loved them. Now, here's what I want you to know. As we remember today, as you think about your salvation, know this. Jesus loves you. You are precious to him. And, and he became the substitute. See, he took, as I said last week, he took the wrath of God against sin on your behalf. So in the next few moments, we want to remember that. Remember when you became aware of your salvation. If you can put a finger on day, date, and time, great. If you just know that there became this realization that, that you know what? Somewhere in this, this process, I gave myself. I received that salvation from God. Okay? <clears throat> remember. When I do this, every time I do this, I think about lying across my mom's bed. It was a big old antique bed. I hated it. But I remember laying there and her walking me. John 3.16, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, right? Romans 10.9 and 10. And she walked, she kind of used a combination of Roman Road and John 3.16. But she shared with me the gospel and I prayed and said, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. God, please forgive me of my sin and save me. That's what I remember. Then I remember big old rules, fat hand reaching out, grabbing my hand and explaining to me what God had done on my heart on my part, on my behalf from what my mom shared with me from Scripture. It was cool. Fifty, this year, y'all, fifty years later, I still remember. It's a memory. I remember it. I remember that God saved me that day. Okay? As Jesus passed the cup, to his disciples. Well, he passed the bread first. He broke it up. He passed the bread. He said to them, this is my body, which is given for you. Passed the cup out. Later in the meal, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is shed for you. Covenant, new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. We know from Scripture that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Okay? Do you remember? 
The last exhortation of Paul was never to approach this time in an unworthy manner. So I'm going to ask you, bow your heads very quietly. Just let God speak to your heart. Father, I know I'm unworthy. There's no question about it. And yet you loved me before I was even born. You loved me while I was your enemy. You loved me while I was in rebellion against you. And Christ died on my behalf. Christ died for me. God, I thank you for saving me. Forgive me, God, where I fall short. Forgive me of sin. Forgive me of my pride. Forgive me of my, my, my temper or my anger and those things. God, I just pray. Father, once again, make me whole and clean and restore. Because, God, you've given me a righteousness that is not my own. God, I just want to remember that Jesus died for me in this moment. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to peel back the, the first little plastic. Remember, we did this sometime back for Christmas. And there's a little wafer on top. So that as Jesus passed the bread among them, he said, take and eat. And every time you do this, remember me. <clears throat> Some believe that during the Passover meal, there's a, that, well, we know in the Passover Seder, there are several points at which they tell you to drink. Many believe that it was the fourth cup of the Passover celebration that Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink. And every time you do this, remember me. So I'll invite you to peel back that second lid. And remember that it was the shed blood of Jesus that cleansed us. If you have that memory of salvation, cherish that. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. Okay? We want you to have that to remember. So I'm going to pray and the band's going to get in place. We're going to sing. We're going to praise God. Did you know in the upper room what the last thing they did before they left and went to the garden was? They sang a hymn. You can find it in Scripture. They sang a hymn. Probably came out of the Baptist hymnal. I mean, who's to say, right? They sang a hymn, and then they left. Went toward the garden where Jesus sweated blood on our behalf. Man, I am so grateful of that every time. God reminds me and reminds me. Not just on Palm Sunday, not just on Easter Sunday. Not every day. I can't say I'm reminded of it every day, but every time I think about it. And there are certain songs that when we sing them, I start crying to think that God loved me that much. Okay? Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. For loving us.
beyond our imagination. Forgiving us. God, forgiving us life instead of existence. Forgiving us righteousness instead of sin. Forgiving us eternity instead of death. God, thank you for working on our behalf. God, as we sing, we praise your name. And God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, we want them to know you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.